Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work, where you can find your future. proceeded to arrest me and when he proceeded to arrest me the eeriest thing about this moment was they had to take my hymn book out of my hands my hymnal out of my hands uh to handcuff me hey everybody michael Tyson here and you are listening to open mic with michael Tyson and today i have on my show a gentleman named gabriel wrench aka the water boy uh, aka uh, brother warrior and friend and uh gabriel it's been uh I, we've been watching some developments on the news with you guys and you so graciously told our story to america I want to turn around and, and t try to tell your story now to a number of Canadian listeners and, and some American listeners. So, Gabe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Michael, for having me. Finally, I'm on open mic. Yeah, this is, this is the day you've been waiting for. This is it. Like you, you've hit the big time now. <laughs> uh, that, that's hilarious, uh, said the guy with a – failing cable network to uh i don't know what what would be the huge uh, conglomerate yeah. so so gabe look i know about i know about your story um and you know just for everyone who's listening we've got a ton of articles fox news just picked up this story yesterday i believe um Gabe, why don't you walk people through what happened for you because i don't think a whole lot of canadians know too many churches that they would have felt actually felt the effects of lockdowns and would still be walking through legal issues like like up in Canada but but you guys have been yeah. walking through legal issues yeah. and you really you really faced some stuff so why don't you walk us through that that's right yeah uh maybe set the stage with the just a little bit of context you know i live in idaho and which is a red state, but I live in a, a uh, I live in a city called city of Moscow, which is a blue city. So blue blue dot red state uh, situation. Our city council, uh, you know, everything's controlled by the leftists. We're a college town, so there's all this leftist influence. Uh, we really, I mean, there isn't, I think, much of a better way to describe. It. We really are controlled by like a liberal cult in town. Uh, and then March 2020 happened with COVID. And as Canadians well know, the lockdown started happening. Our mayor and city council voted to shut down businesses in downtown, unconstitutionally shut down businesses in downtown, um, March 20th or March 20th or March 25th, something like that. 
uh, before one case of COVID was even in town. And then the mayor would go out of town, five miles outside of town, and play golf and drink beer with his buddies. I mean, it's just like the hypocrisy was just already from jump bad uh, in March. And then our show, I host CrossPolitik.com, which is the same network uh, that opened Michael and that Michael Feast is on, the Fight Life Feast Network. And we started doing all this research, leading, reading, you know, the masking literature, uh, reading, you know, data, statistics, virology. I mean, you know, uh, like I think most people were trying to figure out exactly everything that's going on. Uh, our mayor shut everything down. And then like five days later, I think the governor shut the whole state down. So that was basically the context of our story. The way my church protests is we would go sing psalms in downtown Moscow, Idaho, and not wear a mask and not stand six feet apart. Very simple protest. Uh, and that's what we did. We did that, I think our first real protest, there's some other protests I was involved in that, that, that were on the business side of things. But I think our church's first protest was maybe sometime in June. And then the city council, J- July 2nd, voted to extend that, specifically that masking social distancing mandate um, in July 2nd, extend that. And and then, so you, in our town, if you went outside, you had to be wearing a mask or standing six feet apart. That was the rule. Um, just insanity. It, and so, so we wait, started- wait, Gabe, pro- Just clarify, because- Yes, sir. Just, just clarify that. I just want you to repeat that. So that's actually different than here in Canada. They they didn't really. If you're outside, they they still might have asked you to be social distancing. But they, you're saying that to go out outdoors in public, like outside, not I'm walking to a a store and the mask mandates are inside. You're saying just to be out anywhere in public, they had a masking mandate in Moscow, Idaho. That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. If you were not standing six feet apart, if you're standing six feet apart, you didn't have to wear a mask from people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so the way we protest, so in July, they extended, they extended that order. And so in July, we'd go downtown and sing Psalms and not social distance and not wear a mask. And we kept doing it every 30 days, basically the end of every month, the city council would meet and vote to extend that order. They did that in July. They did that in August, and then in September, September twenty, Monday the twenty first, they met and voted and decided to extend it through January. So instead of one month, they decided, hey, let's just shoot it through January. Let's get through this curve. <laughs> and and so on Wednesday, September twenty third, we met and uh, our elders said, hey, let's go sing songs, but this time let's do it at City Hall. So let's go to City Hall parking lot and sing psalms and protest. So kind of, I guess if you want to call it, you know, up 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 the ante, you know, make make our protests more stronger or more noticeable, more pressure, put more pressure on City Council. So we went to City Hall in the parking lot, and I'll never forget, man. When, when I walked up to City Hall parking lot, they cleared the parking lot out, and then they had spray painted circles six feet apart throughout the parking lot. So this polka dot circle they spray painted throughout the parking lot. And uh, that uh, was basically there so they could get objectively, so the cops could objectively see that we weren't standing six feet apart and they could cite us or arrest us or whatever. So we all gather. They tell The cops tell Pastor Wilson, my pastor, hey, if, if they aren't standing six feet apart and not, and not wearing masks, then we're going we're gonna to cite or arrest them. Um, so we just started singing. Pastor told the congregation or the audience that, um, and we just started singing. And it's mostly people from my church. There's a couple of people that weren't from my church also there joining us. 
and everything. So we started singing, and they went, immediately the cops walked up to my mom like a bunch of cowards, just ridiculous. They walk up to my mom, who's standing next to me, and saying, are you with this man? And my mom says, yes, this is my son. And, of course, COVID doesn't really affect us, so we're legal, and we don't have to wear a mask, or, and we can stand closer than six feet because we're family. Um, and then, uh, so I put my arm around my buddy Tyler, and I said, but this is my friend Tyler. What I, what I should have said, what I should have said is, this is, this is my buddy, uh, this is my brother in Christ, Tyler. That's what I should have said, but I didn't. And, and uh, so they, the cop started to ask for my driver's license. And I said, um, uh, I'm officer, I'm practicing, I'm exercising my First Amendment rights. I don't have to give you my driver's license. I'm not going to do that. And he said, give me, give me your driver's license. I said, no. And, and I said, officer, you swore an oath to defend the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic. And, and you're breaking your oath. And he's like, he's like, give me your license. He wouldn't even interact with me or anything. So about the fourth time, he asked for my license one more time. And, and then he proceeded to arrest me. And when he proceeded to arrest me, the eeriest thing about this moment was they had to take my hymn book out of my hands, my hymnal out of my hands uh, to handcuff me. And so they did that. I mean, you watch it on video. It's just the weirdest thing. They took a, my hymn book from me. And in America, you know, the our constitutions, the First Amendment is really strong and good because what we were doing in that moment is we were embodying in America, you have the right to petition, you have the right to free speech, you have the right to worship, and you have the right to assemble. All And we we're practicing all that, worship, free speech, petitioning, and assembling. Uh, and and so I, I went to jail that night. Um, eventually, President Trump retweeted my arrest. So it just went viral all over the place. We went After I got out of jail that night, we recorded a live show that night that went all over the place. I mean, just all around. Uh, and then uh, I was in this three, four-month battle on the legal side because I now had a criminal complaint against me, a citation, a misdemeanor, a $1,000 fine up to six months in jail. And so I fought that misdemeanor. Uh, Thomas More Society, I know you guys have a legal organization like this in Canada, similar, but Thomas More Society backed me here in the United States. They had funding to help me. This ended up being a three-and-a-half-year, almost four-year battle. Uh, and so Thomas More Society was fantastic in backing me. So we won the criminal campaign in January 2021. And then uh, we went into a federal lawsuit, 1983, claimed specifically against my city. I'll, I'll stop there uh, if any questions, Mike, and then I can keep going. Uh, well, first of all, like I'm, I'm watching it in the news. I'm watching it in the Fox article as we're talking about this right now, and it it, it is eerie. There's a I want there's a few differences here that I think people should take note of. Um, you had criminal charges laid, and you had uh, smaller fines and smaller jail sentences. Where in Canada, they were still just uh, health mandates. And so it, it was like a provincial act breach, but not criminality mm-hmm. with up to a year in jail and up to $100,000 in fines. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm still like Jacob Rayom and Nate Wright and myself are, we're like, mm-hmm. I still have a court date coming up in September 14th just to deal with with that like wow. we're not even at the constitutionality side of things yet that's how things have been so delayed but that's a big deal wow. and i know i know that, that like that the idea of a criminal charge 
man, Gabe, that's a weight. Like, can you, can you explain mm-hmm. to people the weight that yeah. it is? Cause I think that a lot of people expect, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're at it, your, your church is all together. You're, you're standing beside Doug Wilson. Uh, you're, you're unified, but man, it's a, it's a pretty severe moment to go from being a Bible believing, God loving, freedom fighting, law abiding, fight, laugh, feast. You know, along, you know, that's why we're on the fight, laugh, feast network because we want to define law. We want to help people understand law better in order that they might repent of sin and that they might promote a, a more godly society. What's it like? What was the toll for you to now face a criminal charge? Yeah. Well, I think you, you kind of already alluded to some things. For one, my pastors were very supportive of me. Um, in fact, while I was being arrested, while I was handcuffed, standing next to the cop car, um, Pastor Toby came and just like started rebuking the officers, saying, you're not upholding your constitutional oath. You're not upholding your oath of office. You're not, you know, just kind of started rebuking them. My brother came up, started rebuking the officers. And so I, I had a real like uh, community res- support, but particularly pastoral support for what had just happened there. And so that really helped. I knew I wasn't left out to hang high and dry and have to fight this battle myself. That was encouraging, um, both for me and my wife, um, who, you know, were dealing with this criminal complaint. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that was going on here, I was actually running for county commissioner in my in that year. I was running for county commissioner that year, and I got arrested um, about a month, six, five weeks, six weeks before the vote was supposed to occur in November. And I lost my election. You know, I've never, I've never seen anybody get arrested a month before, month and a half before their election and win. Um, and then and on top of that, I had criminal complaint against me and I was trying, <laughs> yeah. and then I am trying to find a lawyer. No, that's fine. And then I'm trying to find a lawyer. I'm trying to find help. I'm calling around interviewing lawyers. Thomas More Society finally reaches out to me and there was such a blessing in all this because I didn't have the money for this. Uh, and, and so, yeah, there, there's some burden there, but you know, we're Christians and we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength and living, you know, in some, some communities didn't have this, but I had a, a, a pastor who was backing me in a community that was backing me and a wife that was backing me. I mean, imagine being Job and, and your wife's not backing you, um, in that trial and that difficulty. Um, my wife, Annie was fantastic. And we, she didn't waver one second on what happened. In fact, she she was not there because she was cooking dinner for the kids. I was at five o'clock. I was just going to stop by, sing a couple psalms, and, and go home. Uh, and I went to jail, and I didn't. Even, they didn't even give me a time to call my wife. They just threw me right in the the pen. And so I get a voicemail from my wife. I was supposed to stop by the grocery store and get some stuff for dinner on the way home, and she leaves a voicemail on my phone. I, I, I wish, I wish I would have saved this voicemail. Um, and her voicemail said, Hey, don't worry about, um, uh, picking up food from the grocery store and, and good work on getting arrested. You're living your best life. And, uh, <laughs> that's, so she was already on board when, when, when I was uh, in jail, we hadn't really talked. Cause I mean, I went there, the cops had never cited anybody for a ticket and the, Four or five months that this emergency order had been in, been in place, let alone arrest someone. So I never, I didn't even my wildest dreams think I was going to get arrested for this. No one did. Uh, but our city council has an axe to grind, and they're a bunch of liberal. It's a liberal cult machine 
that if you challenge them and and challenge them multiple times, they're eventually going to get bring the force of the law behind their unconstitutional policies behind them. That's the only way they can win is through power. Hey, friends, I'm happy to talk to you again about Rocklink Investment Partners. With inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon, growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. I know it's on my mind. And that's why Rocklink Investment Partners are so essential because they understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing, and they do not shy away from essential businesses that do not meet the World Economics Forum's definition of ESG. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com, that's rocklink with a C, or visit them at www.rocklink.com. And again, that's link with a C. So I, I have two questions for follow-up. First of all, um, the surprise of the police, again, um, we, we, we look throughout history and I think many of us expected the police to come quickly to our aid. And when you're looking them in the eye saying, guys, this is not constitutional. And it, it, that's a, that's a question about uh, not legality, but lawfulness. And they really chose legality in this situation rather than, rather than law. So I I just kind of want you to talk, talk, you know, how, do you have a relationship with the with the police? Was there was there uh, any any influence there? Any repentance on their side? Uh, any development, just as far as thought development, or or if everything happened the same yeah. thing tomorrow, would the police do the same thing? And then secondly, tell us about the other two that were arrested because this story is about three people, yeah, and right. um, at, at least maybe there's more people who are arrested, but I'm just aware of the three of you who, who sued. That's correct. Touch on those two things. So the police and then the others arrested. Yeah. So I was arrested along with Rachel and Sean Bonet. They're a husband and wife couple. And they are arrested. I was arrested during Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God. Great contrast. They were arrested during Amazing Grace, which was which was, I mean, you can go back and watch footage of them getting arrested with Amazing Grace in the background. I mean, it was, it was very touching. Um, and they were arrested along with me. Uh, obviously, um, I'm more of a public figure, so I tend to g- get more of the interviews and more of the name recognition, what's going on. But they went through the same process I went through. Um, I brought them under my relationship with Thomas More, And so they went along for the ride that um, uh, uh, I was able to kind of find for us in this process. And they were great and faithful um, through through all this all this ordeal. Uh, what was the what was the first question, Mike? <laughs> ha, ha, have you seen any growth either in the relationship with the police? Oh, yes. Or yeah. any thought development among the police? Are, are we? Yeah. You know, you guys got a lot of attention. You're continuing to get attention. You won the court decision. We're, we need to talk about that. Uh, but before we get there, like a, any ongoing. Yeah, I'll tell you a story, Gabe. I was in a gun store the other day with um, uh, just just living my just living a, a wonderful Amer- American dream, and um, three cops walk in. Yeah, and as a Canadian, 
number one, gun stores are always feel shady in Canada anyways, because you, you never know what, what law is changing. And there's just such an anti-gun sen- sentiment mm-hmm. up there. Yeah. So if you were in a gun store in Canada and three cops with their cars in uniform walked in, my assumption is you're dealing with an inspection. You're dealing with, you know, yeah. anyways, these guys start shooting the breeze with the gun owner and, and, and a friend of mine who happened to look at me and say, Hey, you got tickets from the cops. That's the guy there that issued my ticket. And it was very interesting because there was some growth there. Like mm-hmm. it, it seemed like this was open dialogue. My friend was able to look the guy in the eye and rebuke him gently cordially and you know the police officer didn't double down there was there was some discussion that seemed relatively humble is that your is that your experience or no or nothing you know what do you got yeah Yeah, you know i had a good relationship with chief fry um i actually met with him in august i was arrested in september chief fry and chief fry was standing behind the arresting officer my arresting officer at the at the september 23rd protest worship service and protest um, and so I had a good relationship with Chief Fry. I'd met with him before. I'd met with him literally a month before I got arrested. Um, I met with our, our, our sheriff, who's a godly man. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm a known person to them. A known, I mean, I, I, I mean, I would call, um, you know, Chief Fry, some sort of, you know, loose friend. I didn't, you know, hang out with them all the time, but we, we knew each other. We knew, we knew each other's names. And I, again, I'd met in his office in August for like an hour um before i was arrested that month so um i was arrested and then my i won my criminal complaint uh january 9th 2021 and then so i reached out the first um phone call or email i reached out to chief fry to meet with him and i reached out separately to my arresting officer to meet with him and so i had meetings after my criminal complaint got dropped i pursued meetings with them and my meeting with chief fry my whole point there was I was just asking him, you know, man, what do you think about your oath of office that you swore, the Constitution, and why did you arrest me? Basically, that was the bottom line of what I wanted to get at with him. And his and that conversation was very, very soft and noncommittal and not really helpful. And I told him in the meeting, I was like, dude, I think your questions need to be better than this. You're the one with a badge and a gun on your hip. Uh, you should have a little more clarity yourself on the constitution and your oath of office here. And, and I think, I think he, he was, he, you know, it's possible that he was just playing coy or whatever, playing noncommittal because he knew he was probably going to get sued by me. And so you don't want, you know, so that that's possible. I could have been influencing himself in the back of the mind, uh, in the back of his mind. I met with my arresting officer, my arresting officer. This is the next week. He said, if I would, if I was there again, I would do it all over again. So he was, he was really bad. Officer Casal, um, he was just, I'll do it all over again. And so I remember walking out because me and my wife had talked like, we don't want to sue the cops. We don't want to sue the cops. We want to sue the city because that's where this is really coming from. That's the root issue here. But after coming out of both my meeting with Chief Fry and my arresting officer, Officer Casalt, walking out of those meetings, I called my wife and I was like, I was like, baby, I think we need to sue him because like th- there's no remorse and no real learning here and so the nice one of Gabe, this is after your criminal charge has been dropped yeah. this is after your criminal charge has been dropped 
That's that's correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. No, I, I just know that my lawyer would be freaking out if I had have met with them prior to my charges being dropped. So, okay. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. And so I remember walking out of the, their offices because I came to their offices and called my wife and I said, baby, I think we need to, we need to sue them. And so um, we ended up filing a civil lawsuit. It's what in America, what we call a 1983 lawsuit. Um, and against the city supervisor, the prosecuting attorneys, and the officers involved in the arrest, in the arrest which included Chief Fry. And uh, all the officers involved in my, uh, Sean and Rachel's arrest, the three officers that involved in their arrest, uh, all left the department because of this. My officer retired, and the other two officers, were they didn't like what happened. They, they got out. Chief Fry is the only officer that's that's left now, uh, and then so we we filed a, a lawsuit and and this is a uh, I've had Christians ask me, you know why why did you file file a lawsuit against the city, um, and for two reasons one is because biblically we have a real option it's a real decision that you can make where you can appeal to the government when when real civil harm is done. You can appeal to the government for justice. In fact, that's one of the government's job is to be judicial and bring justice. Uh, Paul, Paul appealed to Rome. You know, uh, you know, um, uh, you know. We have we have a civil government for that very purpose. So, the the other reason I appealed and sued the city I, I, I for, filed in 1983 law client is because a lot of the people in my community say, "Oh, you aren't loving your city. You're suing them now. Look at you. You're just trying to." grind in your victory, you, you know, overturning the criminal complaint. But the problem is, is that I'm actually loving my city. When I sue our civil leaders for violating our constitutional rights, I'm loving my city. I'm pushing back the unconstitutional thinking from our chief of police, the city supervisors, um, our city attorneys, and I'm putting them through a process that teaches them the next person that comes along to exercise their First Amendment rights, they will not get arrested. You know, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, like I'm teaching, I'm suing them for everybody in my city. Uh, it's a disciplinary process for those who've, who've been wronged and for those who've done the wrong. So suing my city was actually a great way to love all of my community and not just myself. So the lawsuit, the federal lawsuit, took about three years, three and a half years, and I just won or finalized uh, last week. Um, uh, the judge uh, awarded settlement, um, said that uh, you should go in a settlement with Gabriel, Rachel, and Sean. And so we had a mediated settlement, and uh, that's what you see in the newspapers uh, through that mediated settlement. You bring up a really good point, Gabe. Um, too many Christians today think that any form of confrontation is unloving, uh, especially in the area of this, the public sphere, when in reality that's, that, that's just inconsistent with uh, applying that to any other institution. So uh, is uh, confrontation between uh, – you know, if, if your wife has something that she's been brewing about and really feels compelled – to say to you as, as corrective, as, as, as the woman who has committed herself to be faithful to you and, and, and submit to you and su support you 
says, uh, you know, buries something down and, and never deals with a, 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 a sincere problem in your marriage. You and I both know exactly where that goes. It just goes to explosion and it, and it leads to a, a further ignorance on your part as a husband in the same way, a husband to his children, uh, uh, needing to bring discipline and correct error. There's a real cultural um, equation with just speaking plainly, using law. Uh, uh, it's being described as you know aggressive and unloving, as you, as you mentioned. And I think it's really important what you did, what you did, because you know again scripturally, this is actually one of the ways. We get to bring the gospel to the community. It's actually when we're dragged before courts where we give testimony to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and, uh, and, and, the, and the kingdom of heaven and the, the forgiveness of sin. And then we are also uh, bringing back the rule of law. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I, again, I'm going to bring up this gun store uh, story, Gabe. What, the conversation that I was having with these guys, one of the guys – I noticed he was really passionate about law, but but his application would just be like up and down and up and down. And it's because nobody talks about law anymore uh, in, in the sense of you, you have you have individuals who are not yet believers, um, uh, but they are they're really concerned about the rule of law, but they, they want to go way further. They want to be totally. Uh, unmerciful in many respects. But then when you just look them in the eye and say, well, let's have a dialogue about this. It's like they, they just move away sheepishly. So this is a really good thing that you've done. Uh, you know, I know you're going to take, I know you're going to take the lobs. You're going to take the insults, but I, I agree with your assessment so much. I said to this one guy who is saying, look, like we just got to take matters into our own hands. I said, well, that works for you. Right up until the dudes that you're with decide to take justice into their own hands concerning you. No, like what you, we really need a government where there is due process and where there is uh, impartiality and where there's room for cross-examination and there's, you know, there, there's protection mm -hmm. for individuals to – uh, to speak to the government without needing to turn into a mob rule. So this is a great job. Yeah. Well, and, and Paul specific, specifically, specifically says that law is a tutor. And so the law is, is a tutor in terms of teaching us our sin, but the, the law can also be a tutor in terms of um, bringing justice to society. So if someone murders someone, and then that person gets the death penalty, a, a judicious death penalty. That teaches everybody else in the society, thou shalt not murder, and, and this is the consequences if you murder. And in the same way, um, the law, you know, um, justice teaches those who uh, uh, are doing the wrong not to do it, like my chief of police, like the arresting officers, like these city prosecutors, like the city supervisor, and it teaches them, it slaps them back, it punitively punishes them, and it teaches everybody else in our community, hey, look, our, our First Amendment rights are okay. Our First Amendment rights are protected. Uh, and, and, and everyone knows that if the city um, cannot violate your First Amendment rights. We knew that beforehand, but now how much more do we know that because of this judicial process? And... 
and the First Amendment rights don't matter until they're tested. It, it, it's the right. very it's the very fact that they were being tested by the government, yeah. that they were being ignored mm -hmm. by the government that you need to push back on. You know, everybody forgets the importance of something until it is, uh, until it's pushed against. And then you realize, oh, mm -hmm. wait a minute. So, uh, Cause a really good example of this, Gabe, is that th it's not the same case in Canada, right? Uh, all of these fundamental mm -hmm. freedoms, that's the way it's written in the Canadian constitution. Those are discretionary. Mm -hmm. There, There is a clause in the Canadian mm -hmm. constitution mm -hmm. that, yeah. That makes yeah. those rights discretionary, mm -hmm. and and that was, yeah. you know, that that made it very hard for a legal battle in Canada, but for yeah. Americans, the American Constitution is far stronger. They are not discretionary. If you're meeting yeah. peacefully, if you're meeting for purposes of association and purposes of worship and and those types of things, you're not to mm -hmm. be touched. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's is you know. One of the things that you see in your own citizenry and your own kind of civic culture over time is that you start to take certain laws for granted. You start to take certain cultural phenomena for granted in your community. And when all of a sudden one of your basic fundamental rights get challenged or get taken away by your own government, uh, then the best thing you can do to love your community is go through the correct legal recourse to slap your government on the hand and to punish your government because there's, it's a biblical punishment. Restitution, punitive damages are biblical punishments. Uh, and so when you go through that process and reach a judicious outcome, it's a blessing for everybody. And it reminds everybody, we took this for granted. We've been taking this for granted. And it reminds everybody that this is, this is still our protection. Absolutely. And actually, while you're talking about that, I want to remind our listeners that um, next week, so so Gabe came on this week um, in order to talk about this case. And, and Gabe, we're really glad that you won. Um, we're, we're, man, we need some good news in the world. And I'm glad that this is a yeah. good news story. Um, everybody, yeah. James Kitchen, our, our chief litigator is going to be coming on the podcast next week to talk about a potential case that we want to take on that's very similar to Gabe's case, but we got to fundraise for it ahead of time because we're just not there in the uh, slush fund to be able to uh, take that on. So next week, James is going to be coming on for that. And folks, it's the exact reason what uh, Gabe just said is the exact reason why we feel compelled uh, to consider this case. Uh, there's a there's a situation where there's just not enough biblical um, recourse uh, that's been taken against that young man or, or on behalf of that young man, uh, which is retribution. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, and, and talking about the potential of a civil case. And I, and I want to listeners listen up next week about that. And then uh, Maybe you can help support that very specifically by by jumping on next week and telling us you know you're in to support that new case. Okay, Gabe, totally random. Like this is I just want to have fun. I know you have seven minutes left, probably like six. Totally random. Trump or DeSantis? Mm. Uh, and when I say that, I simply mean here's my theory. 
My theory is that DeSantis is really only in it to keep grounded principles, freedom-loving conservatives, Republicans, like passionate about the Republican Party, but that he's going to bow mm -hmm. out because it's there's just too much free publicity and momentum with Trump. What do you, what are your thoughts? No. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like Ron DeSantis. Um, I have uh, I, I have some issues with Ron. I mean, I think that um, most of his style of politicianery, his style of going about with politics, reminds me a little bit of George Bush, which gets me really um, wheezy. Uh, George Bush was was um, one of the worst presidents for our country. I could get into more of that, but that's not the point here. Um, and and so Ron, yeah, yeah, Ron is. So I'm interested in Ron. I like him. I if if election if if uh, the election were, were today, I'd vote for Ron. Um, now the the problem I'm having with President Trump is uh, just principally he's not really a principled politician. He's got some stuff that's guiding him. Um, you know, there's some, he's fighting media like no other president has ever done. I think that's been a really good move, but he keeps getting indictments and the FBI keeps arresting him and the liberals keep going after him. And so it makes me hard not to want to vote for him. Um, he, uh, word on the street is he's supposed to get arrested again for an additional separate indictment and booked and all that stuff. Um, and I, that that makes me actually want to vote for him more, because if the government, especially Joe Biden's government, Joe Joe Biden's government that is into the thick of it with Ukraine and money laundering, Joe Biden's government whose son gets away with everything from tax evasion to cocaine in the White House, Joe Biden's government who is literally trying to legalize transvestite you know mutilation. Uh, in the military and beyond, you know, Joe Biden's government who's used the FBI against pro-life ministries. I mean, you just go down the list. I want uh, someone who's being targeted and persecuted like that, like Trump is. Um, uh, it makes me it makes it hard for me not to want to vote for him, I, I, you know, uh, because if he's getting arrested and getting harassed, um, if, if we don't deal with that problem, well, then they're eventually going to come after us. They already came, you know, they're eventually going to come after us. So Trump, in some sense, is kind of a a wall that's blocking the tyranny of Biden's FBI and Department of Justice um, from being unleashed on the people. The Department of Justice already labeled parents uh, who are going to these public school meetings as terrorists. There are, you know, it's like they're already trying to go after parents. Um, and Trump's been such a big distraction for them. I want to, uh, so I want to figure, I don't know, uh, that's that's my best explanation. Right now, if it was today, I would still vote for Ron DeSantis, but um, uh, the way Trump's being treated, uh, uh, I'm a close, I'm a close Trump vote there too. All right. So I have three thoughts in response. Uh, number one, uh, you just basically agreed with me and I, I just want that to go on the public record. I, I, you're, that's exactly why I think Trump's got to be the ticket. The Babylon B, did you see the B like two days ago? Uh, Donald Trump indicted for removing the mattress tag. 
like the like they're the, everyone's getting it and everyone has that yeah. exact same feeling that you have that like are they are they really they're really going to do that okay that's my first yeah. thought yeah. number 2 what Canadians don't realize and I've been listening really close to uh, Ted Cruz's analysis on the um on the border situation mm-hmm. uh, on the on the on the southern border situation it's really yeah. interesting I don't think a lot of Canadians understand that the reason why the vaccine mandates were uh, so long imposed on the northern border was because they were imposed on the southern border and the vaccine mandate was the only thing that um, the, that the uh, the U.S. Border uh, Patrol had to remove people from the country. So Biden's policies about catch and release, everything else was like we catch and we release into the United States. It yep. was only the vaccine policy that was allowing Homeland or or the, or the Border Patrol uh, to say. No, you've got to leave the United States. So ironically, Canadians were uh, withheld entry into the United States for a, a ridiculous uh-huh. vaccine uh, policy yep. Yep. simply uh-huh. because of Biden's failed policies on the mm-hmm. southern border. Okay. Third thing on this point uh, is that I think um, I, I, I truly hope Trump – I know he's already done it a little bit. I truly hope he learns some lessons from his previous presidency that he just doesn't need yep. to shoot every yep. guy that's that's near him. And and you know some mm-hmm. of that's just grandstanding and some of that's just him politicking and and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I got a lot of people going, man, wouldn't it be great like a a Trump DeSantis ticket, which is never going to happen, and I don't think DeSantis would be happy for it, but. Certainly, if he if no. he can learn some lessons from his last presidency, he might do really, really well in this upcoming election. Um, okay, finally, we've got one minute left. Tell us about the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference coming up in September. Gabe, please. Yeah, thank you. So uh, we've been doing a Fight, Laugh, Feast no, conference. No, and it's not for- September. It's October. Sorry. October. Correct. Yep. Yeah. We've been doing a Fight, Laugh, Feast conference since uh, 2020. We're actually, I think, the only Christian conference in person in the fall of 2020. Um, and that conference is now grown and matured, and we're going on our fourth year of this conference, and it's being held at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. The Ark Encounter is about 45 minutes from Cincinnati Airport, and the topic of the, yes, that's right, that's right, Michael, the topic of the conference is politics of six-day creation. Great place to host the conference. Ken Ham is going to be speaking. Pastor Wilson is going to be speaking. Um uh, Dr. Gordon Wilson, who's involved in Right in the Dance, if you ever follow that that uh, creation documentary, um, Joe Rigney, uh, just a just a great fun lineup. We kick off the conference with beer and psalms and punch for the kids and food and hors d'oeuvres, and it's just a great time of fellowship. And it goes from October 14th through the through Saturday, October 11th through Saturday the 14th, and we we have opportunity to within that um, structure to go visit the Ark Encounter, to go visit the Creation Museum. So it really is a family-friendly environment and um, conference. So we'd love to see as many people out there as possible. It's a, um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm bringing, I've never brought my kids to one of my Five Life Feast conferences because they're always in school, what's going on. Well, I'm pulling my kids out this year because of the Ark Encounter and their opportunity to be able to kind of walk through a life-size replica of the Ark and experience. I mean, the Ark does just a great job 
discussing the historical, scientific, and gospel implications of the art. So really, really fun. Yeah, that's great. Well, look, thanks for coming on. I, I, I could go a few more minutes on the arc. We live just uh, 25 minutes down the road. It is a great experience, but right. I want to let you go on time. So thanks, Gabe, for coming on. And everybody, just give us a five-star rating, like and share this video, and make sure we get this word out. This is a good news story. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Godspeed. <laughs>